Welcome to the Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. I'm Anya Crittenden, a writer at Gay Star News, and this week I am joined finally by both of my co-hosts. Hi guys, I'm back. This is Hai Chen Bu, a writer for Slash Film and a pop culture journalist in New York. And this is Willoughby Dobbs, filmmaker in the DC area, reporting in. We're back, the gang's all back together, and uh, we're reuniting with an old uh, gang of ours from our childhood. We are! The gang of Toy Let's Story. Let's get ready to cry. Let's get ready to cry. Yeah, because they've yep. got a friend in us. And um, so, this week's Millennial Movie Review will be Toy Story 4, uh, a sequel that none of us anticipated uh, would happen or would like but it's here, and we have thoughts, and you know they're probably more positive than negative. But let's... don't say none of us didn't want this to happen. Well, you know what I mean. I was yeah. pumped and ready for Toy Story Four I the was, second it was announced. I was very. Hesitant. I was not. Yeah. Oh, I, I was know, but super hesitant. You guys, I'm I'm never hesitant about things. You guys should know this by now. I know. I know. All right. So Toy Story 4 is a film directed by Josh Cooley, starring Tom Hanks, Tim Allen, Annie Potts, Tony Hale, Keegan-Michael Key, Christina Hendricks, Jordan Peele, and Keanu Reeves. And more, of course. Uh, it follows when a new toy called Forky joins Woody and the gang. A road trip alongside old and new friends reveals how big the world can be for a toy. It was just released earlier this uh month june 20th and uh we will be uh, doing a review so i want to know well let's let's start off with the one who was really excited about this movie because i know anya you have lots of thoughts what are your thoughts on toy story 4 i loved it i thought it was wonderful um yeah, so for me, I never, I was never hesitant about Toy Story 4. I know everyone's thing was like, oh, but like 3 was so perfect and a perfect end to a trilogy. And yeah. I've never understood that argument because it's like the existence of 4 doesn't negate the perfection of the, of the original 3. Like, by 4 existing, it doesn't ruin 3 unless you let it ruin 3. And so... I've never understood that argument. And so I've always been excited for four because I love these characters and I'm excited to see more of them. And then the second I heard that four was going to be about Bo Peep and Woody, I was a million percent sold because Woody is my favorite character um, in all of Toy Story and all of Pixar. And I love him and Bo Peep and I was so sad when she wasn't in three. And so the idea that like this was going to be about them made me very happy. Um, and I actually felt that four completely justified its own existence. Like, I think that four, especially from a storytelling point of view, um, which we will get into, but if three was about all of the toys moving on from, like, Andy in that chapter in their lives, like, four is the perfect end for Woody's arc, who is arguably the protagonist of this entire franchise. And, like, he didn't really get an ending so much in three as just kind of a new chapter. Um... And I feel like four is actually a really perfect end to his arc um, in a way that three was not. And so I thought four was great. I love Woody a lot. And I probably cried more in this one than I did in three. So Willoughby, you just saw Toy Story 4 today, just a couple hours ago. Uh, do, you have, do you have enough time to process your thoughts to give us what you thought about the movie? <laughs> I do. Uh, so we've talked about how much of a fan I am of the Toy Story franchise. I've been a fan since day one, essentially. I am of the opinion that Toy Story 3 is a perfect ending and they did not need to make a Toy Story 4. That is until I saw the movie. Even when the trailers were coming out, I was like, I'm not excited about this. Forky looks dumb. And all this stuff with, like, the carnival looks silly and looks like, you know... You know, my, this is, these are just my general opinions of what I saw, thought of the trailer at the time. Was that it just looked like they're cashing in on on you know a franchise. It's like we're just gonna take the toys to somewhere else. And what I really liked about Toy Story Four is that it basically was like we have to get we have to like save Forky, who is who is now the the most like 
you know important figure in the story ultimately and i was like okay cool they 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 did it they figured out a way to make toy story for a thing um as well as the bo peep woody story um which i thought that was going to be nixed when rashida jones and her writing partner left the project but i but they kept it in um god yeah like i think the original pitch we heard for toy story 4 was going to be like a rom-com about Bow yeah, and Woody. that was like, yeah, back when Rachita Jones was working on it. And also when a certain Lotso Hug and Bear was around, and now he's gone. And so we're able to, um, uh, you know, move on from our from that awkward existence. Um, and yeah, I think I thought the movie was really, really, really good. Um, like Anya said, this is definitely Woody's story. Um it was powerful. Like, I was wondering throughout the whole movie, like, when am I going to cry? Like, I obviously cried when Andy showed up in the flashback because I'm going to do that. Um, and so, like, I was like, okay, cool, 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 cool. They're, you know, hurt, you know, they're tugging on my heartstrings pretty early. Cool. They did that in the third one, too. And then the movie was generally like a really fun escapade in a carnival and an antique shop. And then the last five minutes wrecked me. Like, absolutely wrecked me. Like, I'm a sucker for, mild spoiler alert, goodbyes and endings and, like, arc completions and, like, just sort of, like, uh, we'll get into it in spoilers, but there's a, there was a certain character in a, in a movie that came out in late April that had a very similar sit- ending scene with Woody, um... And it reminded me that, like, yeah, this, these, yeah, these story, the story is ultimately about Woody trying to find his place in the world as well. Um, you know, first it was on on top of the bed, and then it was, uh, do I want to go to Japan? And then it was, what do I do when my owner goes to college? And then this one is about, you know, what happens, you know, after you've served your purpose. Um, and you know. I thought that was a really powerful idea. I think the the movie worked really well. And I would say it's also incredibly funny. Oh my god, it's, it's terrible. Got so it's many jokes, so, so many lines, so many amazingly funny characters. You've got Key and Peel as a pair of, you know, stuffed animals. You've got Keanu Reeves uh in as Duke Kaboom. Like Duke it, it worked so well. I think Hendricks. That... And Christina Hendricks was great like, as the, the uh, real antagonist of this film. Mm-hmm. And Forky, I didn't realize of course. that was Christina Hendricks. Yeah. Yes, Forky. Yeah. But the love Christina pilot. Hendricks yeah. has, has the uh, better emotional arc than Forky, I think. Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, Forky's sort of a he's he's very important, but he's also sort of like, you know, he doesn't have the the um, arciest of arcs. Yeah, he just we'll sort of, into... you know, he's a bit of a mulligan, um, not a, mugu- a mulligan, he's a bit of a MacGuffin. Um, yeah, we'll get but, into characters more when we yeah, get into our, more of our review. So, um, suffice to say, this movie was very good and I liked it a lot. Yeah. HT, what about you? So, I was one of those people who was very wary and very reluctant about Toy Story 4 because... I believe Toy Story 3 to be that perfect ending. Um, I When it came, Toy Story 3 came out, it had hit just as I was heading to college, and this was a franchise that I grew up with. And as these characters were moving on to a new chapter in their life, so was I. And that, was, I felt, was very emotionally resonant, resonant. Um, but Toy Story 4 melted my cold, cynical heart. Good. Uh, suffice to say, I loved it. I think that this might be the most emotionally rich of the Toy Story movies if maybe more along the lines of the most emotionally developed um because to like in a simple summary this is a story about a midlife crisis specifically Woody's midlife crisis which I think is kind of funny to say that um this is the same plot of, of Cars 3 and I feel like the Pixar animators are going through something right now <laughs> <laughs> they might be they might be but um it's that idea of um uh, like willoughby was saying what ha- what do you do when your purpose has been served uh and that idea of putting yourself first over what you thought your entire ambition and what your entire life goal was and yes. I think that's yes. Yes. so yes. fascinating and so rich and something that pixar has never really done before 
um, aside from, you know, little Cars 3. But this was something that I think was even more uh, mature than Cars 3 did. And uh, it was really Woody's swan song. It was um, a film that I absolutely loved. I have a few criticisms, which we'll get into in the spoiler section. uh, But it really uh, did justice by Bo Peep, too, who was a character I I felt was always underserved in the first Toy Story and then just disappeared later on. And here her um, evolution from sort of damsel to action girl was very earned and very organic, and I love that. And, uh, yeah, like, it was funny, it was touching, it was heartwarming, and uh, it might have been a film that was about uh, the rejection of capitalism I don't know (laughs) um but what I'm saying is that I love Toy Story 4 and uh I can't wait to dive into our spoiler review of this so while what we're gonna do for our review as we do for many we're gonna go into a plot um characters and themes let's go first into the characters because this franchise has always been about the characters this is Woody's swan song as I was saying before uh so let's talk a little bit about Woody um Anya Woody's your boy he is he is my favorite Pixar character of all time I own way too much Woody Woody merchandise um and so I love this film um so the the fun fun fact is that Toy Story 2 is my favorite Toy Story film um, and that always surprises people, but Toy Story 2 is Woody's film, um, so of course it's going to be my favorite. But I mean, every movie is Woody's film. Like, Woody is the protagonist of this franchise, um, and in each movie he has a journey to go on, um, and in this one it, um, it's definitely more emotional than another one. I think that's why it it's interesting... Um, because with the, with the character of Woody, I remember how, like, when Toy Story 3 came out, it was, like, so emotionally resonant for all of us, like you said, HT, because it came out the summer we were going to college, and so was Andy. And so, like, it was just that perfect timing. But I feel like this movie is also perfect timing for Woody's arc. Like, I I, I don't have, I'm not having, like, a midlife crisis and, like, wondering what my purpose is or anything, but, like, the idea of having to leave certain things behind in order to pursue your future... And those changes and the sacrifices you have to make um, is something that I, like, deeply relate to where I'm at in my life right now. And so Justice 3 came out at the right time. I feel like 4 came out at this, like, very poignant time for me. Um, And I thought it was really perfect as a story for Woody, um, who is a lawful good cowboy and a hero. And I just love him so much. And I'm... I'm weird, it's weird to say, but, like, I'm proud of him for being able to move on and live his life um, for himself now and not for a kid, I guess. Although they also still live for kids. I don't know. It's weird when you start getting into... It's ultimately the the ever-looming... The other idea behind the kids about toys is that do you want to be played by one owner or a bunch of owners over over time and like never losing that love which was what toy story 3 was about which is why you know they're like oh preschool doesn't sound too bad you know we'll get played with every day but then it's like you get stuck with the 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 two-year-olds and they're like oh god they're menaces um yeah i think the funniest thing for me for toy story 4 is that it kind of flies in the face of what we saw in toy story 3 in which that wasn't the life that they wanted but now Woody is choosing that because he has his own agency now and is able to be a free and independent agent. He's an choosing to be free from the no capitalist society. What will it be? He's got no strings on him anymore. Not Pinocchio. But He's a real boy. But literally, he lost his voice box. That's what I'm saying. Is that like he got he got no string on him anymore? He's yeah, that, 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 I mean that's why losing his voice box was like a very symbolic moment in the movie. It was not subtle. I know. I saw the movie six hours ago. I'm just now getting. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll be like all these things are hitting me, and it's too much for me to handle. <laughs> Which is fair because the movie is a lot. I still haven't come to terms with the fact that Buzz doesn't know what a conscience is. <laughs> 
Yeah, Buzz is the Buzz's character arc is kind of the one issue I have with this movie. Uh, if we want to move a little bit into you mean, Buzz, you mean a lack thereof? Yes, Buzz definitely felt like a character who was just kind of added in. Like they they remember that Buzz is the second lead of this movie, and they're like, oh, we have to give him something to do, and so they gave him a plot that basically felt like it was uh, transported out of Toy Story Two era Buzz. And uh, him trying to figure out what his identity was, but doing it in a way that felt very regressive. And I was like, okay, this, it's, I feel like Buzz what? has evolved beyond this. You know it's, why? It's because Buzz sucks. Buzz is not a good toy. Fight me, anyone. I will, I will come for also, you. Also, it's because... We should address that. But I do want to say, I think the writers were like, well, we got Tim coming in today. So why don't we just write him some lines? We got the last man standing That's actually coming kind in. of what happened. Because the writers initially didn't have a planned arc for Buzz. And they realized that they had to do something with him and basically just inserted <laughs> that into it. The inner oh, voice. I mean, and it shows. It shows pretty badly in the film. Yeah, it's the shoddiest part of the film, but the rest of it is aces. Yeah, I will say when the when Buzz's theme from Toy Story Two comes back into full boom, I was nine years old again. Oh boy. Oh, that's Aww. cute. But Buzz is um just a plastic toy, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Your Woody oh, bias yeah, is you showing fight? on you. Yeah. Go, you want to go? Yeah, I will go with anyone who tries to tell me that Buzz is better than Woody. He's a space ranger! Yeah, and Woody is a heroic cowboy who is perfect and yeah. voiced by Tom Hanks and not Tim Allen. Buzz can fly. No, he can't. Yes, he can. No, gravity will pull him down eventually. No, no, Buzz can fly. Does. We saw it! We saw it 24 years ago! We saw it. He, he can't fly. He can, like, soar... As, like, paper airplanes do when you Here's throw it. them okay. before about, they eventually uh, hit the ground. Because Buzz is a toy. How about we compromise? They were falling with style. Alright, I'll accept that compromise. Yeah, yeah, Woody's yeah. still the best okay. toy. Buzz is great, Buzz is great, Buzz is great. Buzz is fine, Woody's the best. I mean, Woody's arguably... Alright, you guys are all great, overlooking Rex is the best good. boy. Um, anyway, um, who else is the best? Bo Peep. Yes. I love her. I've loved her since the first movie because she and Woody, like, are super adorable. But I love what they did with her in this movie and that she is someone with her own agency and, you know, isn't gonna, like, compromise the life she's found for herself because it works for her and she's not gonna let anyone shame her for it or make her feel bad and... Um, I just thought Bo Peep was great. Yeah, I agree. I will say, when I first saw Bo Peep's character designs with her pants and her sort of Ray style outfit, <laughs> Staff, I was, yeah, yeah, and I was, I was like, oh, are they just trying to do um, something in the vein of Ray and trying to make her like that right. action girl, like with, strong with, woman? Yeah, the strong GM. female character. It's just like yeah. she's strong because she has like masculine qualities, whatever. And like, right. I felt like that was such too much of a pivot from what she, we saw her originally as Mm -hmm. but the movie does so well with building and introducing why she is the way she is Uh, she's a survivor and um, I love that she's not just like an action girl she's smart and savvy but that's because of like the 10 years that she's been on her own and she's found um, so much uh, satisfaction in being on her own and being a free toy essentially and uh, I I I We'll say I really like that. I think it was kind of a subversion of what you expect in terms of just like Disney having like one female character in their franchises that are usually male-led and being and be like, oh, hey, girls are are popular. Let's put this girl on the front and, and give her pants. Girls it, exist. Yeah, it's way more than what? that. And I like that we learn and see why she has become that way and why it's so empowering for her to have shed the skirt even though she does yeah. put it on for the playtime and stuff but i i really she like uses that. that as a cape too mm-hmm. which is really cool it's, it's really like fun. a it's a reversible yeah and it's why like i love so much at the end I, like woody's choice to stay with her and leave um the group of toys as we know it and travel with the carnival and stuff is because like it's like yes it's like woody's midlife crisis and stuff but it also like feels resonant 
with like young adults and the idea of like leaving your home and like your safety net and like the thing that is familiar and safe and comfortable for taking a risk and trying something new in life and, you know, kind of like starting the next chapter, even if it's scary and the unknown and, you know, so the idea of kind of like where a lot of us are in our lives too, like, you know, moving out of your parents' house and, you know, trying out new things or moving to a new city. And so that's why I think it also like as Toy Story 3 felt perfect, this one did too. So by him like choosing to stay with Bo Peep and like start that chapter, it's like, sometimes that's what happens in life is you, you take blind leaps and yeah, it's kind of yeah. a perfect millennial analog because it it's is more than just Woody leaving his family and friends for his girlfriend. It's about him <laughs> um, pursuing his dreams and leaving that stability and security behind right. that life of, of mundanity that, you know, in real life would be an office job with a 401k and everything. But a lot of people, a lot of millennials and young people these days are choosing to pursue those dreams that don't have necessarily that stability uh, because it's more rewarding. And that's what uh, Woody is finding in um, leaving and like with the carnival and becoming a free toy. And It's a leap of faith. Exactly. Exactly. It is. Yeah. And I love so much of the movie that like, just because Woody is now at a place in his life where, like, he is kind of, like, sorry, ready for a new chapter where he's not just, doesn't belong to just one kid and stuff. Like, I, but I love so much that the movie didn't try and say, like, yeah, because, like, just living for one kid is, like, stupid and, like, a thing of the past and it's for, like, babies or whatever. I don't know. Like, like they didn't, like... They didn't shame it. They didn't shame his love for, you know serving a purpose as a toy for a kid and stuff and like shame him for being scared to take that leap of faith. Cause like, that's why um, Gabby Gabby is so perfect mm-hmm. because like her whole arc is becoming that toy for that one kid. And her arc is also just as like emotionally resonant and done really well. Um, and so like, I like that, like, even though Woody moved on from this role, the movie is still saying, but this role also is still valid and, you know, um, worthy of toys' purpose or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm trying to say. But, <laughs> you know, it's also not shaming the millennials who aren't taking the Woody approach, if that yeah. makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a yeah. 401k and a desk job. Yeah. Hell yeah. Exactly. And sometimes, you know, you don't always got to live to work. Sometimes you work to live. Exactly. But I would um, like. I would like. I would like to uh, pursue my dreams. Yep. Yep. I mean, yep. That is yes, something I would yes. like to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Gabby, Gabby also wanted to pursue her dreams, and she finally got that opportunity. And so you will too, Willoughby, with the help of people who are your friends and people who love you, just like Gabby, Gabby got that opportunity. Exactly. Sponsors, if you're out there, we're looking for you. Um, Gabby, Gabby was great because she was a villain, and then she wasn't, and it was yeah. the nice like way of finally doing the reversal of what Toy Story has been doing forever, which is the the nice toy who turns out to be a villain. Yeah. Isn't this the first time where there's, there hasn't been like a, like a villain, like at the end of the film, like in a Toy Story movie. Yeah. I think Pixar has had no villain in inside out. Yes. Um, In inside out. And, yeah, the villain is depression in inside. (laughs) The villain is depression. Um, arguably in, arguably in brave sort of the bear the evil sort bear of. yeah there's a there's oh, a bad well, guy bear oh, brave. oh yeah there's a bad but guy like, bear that they that she battles i always forget about that um but i mean in toy story specifically like, it was like you yeah. know sid and then it was the prospector and then lotso and in this one like you said it's the reversal but yeah this is the first time there's never really been like an antagonist at the end of the movie they have to like defeat or like outrun or something or mm-hmm. like well, gabby well, gabby is actually yeah, I, I I would say Gabby Gabby at first is antagonistic, but in yes. like the classic yeah. classic literature sense of she's against what Woody, who is the protag, what he is doing. Mm-hmm. So like there is conflict there, but ultimately they resolve the conflict without you know um, lots of hug and bear, you know, pressing, you know, keep keep moving the trash fire, uh, you know. So like they're able to resolve their their issues with the voice box and Woody sort of 
ultimately re- relaying his you know his voice box to a, a toy in need mm-hmm. passing yeah, it well, on the idea that like yeah and no no villain every villain sees themselves as like the hero of their own story right mm-hmm. and so it's like gabby gabby isn't trying to like her methods are a little messed up but she's not cool motive still murder still <laughs> murder but like you know she is doing it from a place of this desire she has and it is a good desire it is like it is exactly what woody was to andy and she's never had that opportunity and she wants to feel that and i think that makes complete sense i mean it's why jesse's story is so heartbreaking yeah and yeah gabby gabby is kind of that at first that twisted mirror reflection of woody in that her entire purpose and entire goal is to make a child happy and uh, she has been uh, thwarted in that goal. And that's what kind of has made her the way she is. Uh, but when given the opportunity, she is able to actually fulfill herself and fulfill another person's like love, another kid's love. And and not ruin the, the, the hopes and dreams of the toys who are ultimately our protagonists. Yes. Which is uh, unlike the prospector in Lotso. Yeah. Um, that's why I feel like this film is almost like the most emotionally developed of the Toy Story films just because it realizes that it doesn't have to fall back on that that villain. It has something much more specific and much more mature going for it, which is that, that midlife crisis story. That idea yeah. of putting yourself first and, um, you know, realizing that your uh, needs matter? Or rather, like, yeah. Um, well, it's... Yeah, well, we can get into that theme, but I will say that I started crying when Gabby Gabby, like, found her kid mm-hmm. at the end, and I pretty much yeah. didn't stop, like, sobbing until, like, I was in my car, and I had to, like, calm myself down, but, like, Gabby Gabby was the start of the crying, and then for the rest of the film, I was just, like, a mess. Aww. Listen, I... you. Oh, it does. I want to talk about Cap... And Woody being having the same arc in their movies. It's so good. I like that both Woody, who is ultimately like, he's not a soldier, but he is like, you know. A, he's still like, a lawful good. like Lawful good. He's doing his best to serve a purpose. And Cap is the same. And when they both realize that they've done their duty, they're like, I'm going to take a little bit of me time. Like, it's time for me. And it's time for, you know, to live a life. Because, like, I mean, Woody was living a life but he was living a life in in service of a human owner and cap was saving the world and now he gets to they both get to go home to their love interests and start a new life i never realized that that's amazing willoughby told that to me too and i was like oh my god yeah i'm gonna retweet you no because it's kind of a spoiler um (laughs) but i could uh I'll, you should. I'll, Who cares? I'll do so. I'll I'll do it so it's you know spoiler spoiler ish, um, but no because like when Woody turned around to uh, go back to Bo, and they had like a a nice embrace. I was like, oh yeah, this is what Cap did at the end of Endgame. Like, uh, it's so perfect. And the, and the, I like obviously I don't you know I don't know probably some people are you know at Disney Pixar like swapping stories, but I don't think it was coincidental. I mean, yeah. I think it was coincidental, but I think that, you know, like there is, you know, they both have very similar arcs throughout their movies, which is like they, you know, they think you, from from far away, you think that they're the same person. But really, they're going through these all these arcs throughout the movie and they ultimately end up, you know, getting to, you know, just, you know, kind of go do away with their old life without, you know, shaming it or disrespecting it and deciding to, you know, have their own their own decisions to be made like i think that i that was really cool and powerful and like you know when it hit me that they you know mirrored each other i was like yes i love that one that's so crazy hot take on this hot take toy story 4 did it better Um, and there, there are there are bits and pieces about Steve's ending that I don't love. Is it the and Sam and uh, Sam and Bucky thing? What do you mean? The, the him he, like not talking Bucky, to Bucky? Bucky. Um, yes, it's absolutely partly that, but it's also um, I mm, I don't want to get into it too much, but um, I think that Woody's ending uh, you think was it's set more. Up that I think it was uh, more 
emotionally earned and developed and uh, yeah. done just as a whole better than Steve's. Yeah, that, that, that makes are, sense because Toy Story 4 is fully dedicated to Woody and his arc, whereas Steve just kind of gets only you know, a partial part of Endgame devoted to that. Yeah. yeah. No, I, um, I totally agree. I, I totally agree. But I think that, I mean, for me, when I saw Endgame in theaters, I was like whooping and hollering at Chris Evans and uh, Haley Atwell just smooching in their 1950s house. Like, I was like, heck yeah. And the same thing when Bo and Woody embrace at the end. I'm just like, this is this is good. This is good. I'm very glad about this. Um, yeah. I think, you know what's interesting is I think that my main issue is that um, with Steve, the writers took the the kind of the easier way out Whereas Woody, it felt like the writers actually earned and put in the hard work to get Woody to that point. It's interesting I mean, because... I still... Oh, go oh, ahead. Go ahead. Oh, it's no, interesting... I was just... <laughs> go, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say that even, even myself, like, you know, a diehard Woody stan, we stan a legend, was telling him, like, in my head, like, like before he made the decision, like I I knew it was gonna happen because like they're building to it. I'm like, I was like the like a big part of me was like, no, you gotta go back back, back to Bonnie. But then the other part of me was like, oh no, Bonnie doesn't want to play with him anymore. And so I was sort of like of those two minds. I'm like, okay, yeah, he has an out. He, like this is this is Woody's out. He doesn't get that very often. And when he and now he finally has the ability to do that because he's so devoted to Andy. But Andy's in college, and Bonnie does Bonnie wants to play with Sheriff Jesse, which is awesome. Um, uh, yeah. and Woody's like bye that's actually uh, funny I was about to say the same point because uh, the, the yes! couple next yeah. to me was having the exact same reaction as as uh, you were just describing Willoughby in which as Woody was standing there about to make his decision they're like no go back to Bonnie go back to Bonnie and I could feel that tug too because that's what he's been working for the, that entire film but you know that the that turn is done so well and uh so elegantly by the writers that it just completely works and you feel that um sort of bittersweet you know farewell in which he which he makes to his his family his friends but while he is picking up a new family yeah yeah and speaking of that new family i just need to give a shout out to ducky and bunny because I could not stop laughing, like, every time they existed. When they went through their multiple scenarios of how to get the keys, which meant just <laughs> I attacking love an old lady, I was, like, guffawing in the theater. I was laughing out loud so loud and so hard because it was so unexpected and hysterical. I loved that. It was great. It was the perfect use of Keen Peel, like the perfect reunion of for them. It was perfect. Oh my god! Yeah, and I was going to one of the one of the things about the trailers was that I I knew Keen Peel were going to be in the movies, and I love them. But the trailers, I don't know, for some reason rubbed me the wrong way. Where I'm like, are these just going to be like, you know, like almost annoying side characters that are, you know you know antagonizing buzz and the other characters but no like they're great they're amazing i love them so much like all my all my fears are so like gone now yeah we need to start giving disney more credit for their side characters because everyone always is like oh they're gonna be so annoying and then more often than not they're not annoying like whatever i will rock trolls in uh frozen i think they're dumb uh okay the rock trolls okay the rock trolls are so dumb but like they're not sidekicks in the way that I think of Olaf and yeah. Sven and I don't care what anyone says I freaking love Olaf I still laugh I just like recently rewatched Frozen and like I still laugh so hard when Olaf just showed up and he's just like I don't have a skull or a yeah, no. and then no, no. when Olaf, Olaf is like would well, you know where Elsa is and he's like yeah why <laughs> yeah Olaf is like, good Olaf is hysterical. but Olaf isn't good in his 30 minute short short quote-unquote <laughs> film that aired in front of Coco yeah. and made me want to die. <laughs> but he's good otherwise. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, they, they actually do, they know how to do these characters and um, Ducky and Bunny are proof of that because they were so funny and so great. And all the side characters in Toy Story have always been great. Like when Jesse and Bullseye were introduced in Toy Story 3, like Mr. Pricklepants is still Bonnie's best toy. I don't care. Mr. Pricklepants is so hilarious. Uh, Love unfortunately, 
Unfortunately, it looks like the Totoro plush is no longer part of Bonnie's uh, crew of toys. A little disappointing. Maybe a little sad. Sometimes Uh, things happen. Speaking of great... She grows out of an anime face. (sighs) Never. Speaking of great supporting characters who originally started as side gags, Keanu Reeves as Duke Kaboom, a scene stealer, and also a surprisingly emotional... Yeah. Um, character, yeah. one who failed to do his uh, his purpose and is ruck- wrecked with regret over that for his entire life. And but he does it in a way that's so hilarious. <laughs> I loved him, and Keanu Reeves is having a blast. And I love. I just this is also just me raving about Keanu Reeves. I love that in all the promo videos for Toy Story Four, in which it shows the actors playing with their to- toy selves. He's just incredibly excited to be there. He's playing with his his a uh, Duke Kaboom. He's playing with Buzz, and he just goes Buzz Lightyear to the camera. I'm so I love, cute. I love that. I just video. wish I could have as much fun and happiness as Keanu Reeves in anything he does. It's just great that he's finally being appreciated for the angel that he's always been since day one of his own existence mm-hmm. centuries ago, since he is a vampire. Um, but Keanu Reeves is perfect. He is. He's so great in this role, which is a very small role, but one that is uh, completely scene-stealing. And I, I loved yes. it. It was like, it's definitely made to be more of like a gag than like an actual supporting character, but he really kills it. And uh, just really he good makes comic it relief. He makes it what work. was his kid's name again? Um, Rijon. 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 He's obviously from Quebec. 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 He's the Quebecois. He's Quebecois. Um, but yeah, I just want to give a shout out to, to Duke Kaboom. But let's talk about Please. the biggest supporting character in this movie, Forky. Yeah, we haven't talked Forky. about Forky. We are all We are all Forky. We are all trash. We are Forky. All trash. Forky he was like, I'm going to go back in the trash can now. <laughs> Forky's so funny. I am very, very glad that the scene between him and Woody on the side of the road where Woody convinces him that he's like not trash. I'm mm-hmm. so happy that that scene happened so early on because mm-hmm. I feel like Forky's gag would have started to get annoying had they like with the whole trash thing if they had dragged it out for any longer. Yeah, it would have so I'm really glad that conversation... Yeah, I'm glad the conversation happened early and that Forky is just, like, already, like, he's like, all right, yeah, gotta get back to Bonnie. Yeah. Ooh, like, I'm her toy, and I'm like, yeah, you are Forky. Yeah, you and think, even though he's, like, a big this comic... this is not a normal... Do you think that this is not a normal thing that happens? Because all the toys looked very shocked when Forky showed up. I'm guessing it's not a normal thing that happens in which children have godlike powers and are able to bring sentience to non-sentient objects. Yeah. Like Bonnie is that powerful. Thing... <gasps> like with the fact that like uh um uh who's the uh uh Christian Shaw as the triceratops? I can't Trixie. remember her name. Trixie. Trixie, yes. Uh when Trixie was like I what question? I have all the questions. Because, <laughs> like, it's, it definitely seems like something that doesn't happen normally or at all. And it's sort of like one of those, like, oh, my God sort of situations. But also, Forky's great. And Tony Hale delivers. He has so many great line readings. Like, I like the part where he's leaving Gabby Gabby and he's like, I, I liked our talks. And I'm like, that's such an odd line, but he's, I love it. I know. He's so pure of a character. And uh, even though he, I was wary of him being just like kind of that silly comic relief character. Oh, he, yeah. He pulls it off so well. And um, I just, I really love Forky. I related to him way too far, far too much. He is the anxiety icon of the summer, apart from yes. psych, uh Psyduck in Detective Pikachu, of Psyduck. course. Uh, Amabella. She's my anxiety queen. I don't know who that is. My G- Big Little Lies! I don't watch Big Little Lies. I haven't I seen the third I episode. Me too. Guys, how do you not... Oh my god, Amabella and Renata. Oh my god, they're like icons? Whoa. Who's Amabella? Is... Amabella is Renata's Who's... daughter. Renata has a daughter? Oh man. I'm so. I only watched the first episode of season two, but I don't remember. Amabella is Laura Dern's daughter, who's like bit in the first season, and the whole plot about like who bit Amabella, and she's Laura Dern's daughter. Oh, right. She's Laura Dern's daughter. That was her name. (laughs) 
Okay. Yeah. Amabella is, a, yeah, is such a name okay. that a Renata would give Didn't her daughter. Didn't realize she was an anxiety icon, but oh, she is. It's all about Psyduck for me because he he yeah. I mean, his um, on, superpower on is having anxiety attacks, <laughs> having headaches, and then having them go boom. Exactly. I, love- I like I like when Forky when Forky uh this I mean we're in spoiler territory when he met uh presumably her name is Knifey, um at the end, and I was like she's just like how am I alive? <laughs> and Forky's like I have no idea. <laughs> I love it. Um. Yeah. It's like in Kingdom Hearts when they're like, maybe he just hasn't figured it out yet. And that line haunts me to this day. <laughs> when does sentience occur in toys? How does it happen? I Are thought... we gifted souls so, a pun? They, they, mentioned, they mentioned the fact that Bonnie writes her name on his feet. And I was like, oh, maybe that's an activating thing. But then I realized that all the toys that don't have names are still active and sentient. So like that theory goes out the window. What? Ah! And also, what? Because uh, we see at the toy store that stores are the toys are sentient there, but we presume in Toy Story One that Buzz was never activated, like never came to life until he arrived in Andy's room. So, right. yeah. why did he not activate at the store when other toys do, as we see in Toy Story Two? And why didn't he? Why didn't he already realize he was a toy? And, and, oh, here's the here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. Buzz and Forky both stop what they're doing when a t- when a kid walks in. Yeah, but but Forky <laughs> thinks he's Ash, and Buzz thinks he's a space ranger. Well, similar okay. to Cars, you cannot ask too many questions, or else then you yeah, start like unraveling. Cool. Yeah, so the Toy Story open, franchise is a fable, in, in, in and cars. it's something that you can't really. Um, take a microscope too because then there are just far too many questions about how this world works anyways well, bonnie is god we are all bonnie just is god. we are all just toys that were created by an all-powerful toddler we're all bonnie's playthings. that sounds like a line from blade runner we're all just <laughs> toys in the wind <laughs> god um so forky is great um let's start talking about like we've we've touched on plots and themes um what were some of your biggest takeaways from this movie's themes and what made them work for you guys? It's about a rejection of capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck capitalism. I, no, I just, I thought it was really funny because uh, Woody and going the way of, of Bo Peep is basically him becoming a beatnik and like, re- and rejecting and like going on the road, like Jack Kerouac and kind of rejecting the capitalist societal expectations. And I thought that was really funny but and you know that's because, what <laughs> and they let the kids like like win and like get toys and mm-hmm. so like they're also like rejecting like that system and they're just like you don't gotta like win these toys on a an impossible game that's rigged for you not to win them a system that's rigged against you like that's not fair like people deserve like toys are a like, human right <laughs> Anyways, I, I quit. I quit this podcast. <laughs> I quit. Uh, uh, good night, everybody. Um, and good luck. But yeah, so I mean, like, HT, like, as much as you're joking, I'm still kind of like, yeah, but also. Also. <laughs> also, it's kind of true. <laughs> well, one thing I wanted to bring up, um, this is kind of specifically about uh, Woody's arc and his whole crisis, is that this movie uh, reminded me specifically of a book I read called um, The Remains of the Day. And it's written by Kazuo Ishiguro, who wrote Never Let Me Go. And this is going to be a very specific reference that only like me and maybe like a, a dozen people will get. But um, this is a story about a, a long-serving English butler who has dedicated his life to being that perfect butler for his master. His, like, he is part of like generations of butlers who have served this one family uh, for years. And... Um, this is through like the world world war two and as that society that he knew for his entire life is starting to crumble he realizes in his twilight years and he's like 70s um that all he has in his life is a threadbare room and regrets of like a lost love and it's such a melancholy and empty feeling that toy story 4 touches upon that idea of um you know, putting 
that ambition and that goal before yourself and that loss that you feel with it despite having fulfilled that purpose that you've had and that you thought you've had for so long and I really like that I think that that's why this movie really spoke to me because it's dealing with themes with such a maturity and a specificity that Toy Story film, maybe even a Pixar film hasn't really done before. And I just wanted to give a shout out to The Remains of the Day. Uh, it's also a movie starring Anthony Hopkins and Emma Thompson, if you guys want to check it out. Um, but it's a great book. Very, um, And I and think like those subtle themes in that book really, um, really pertain to Toy Story 4, too. I feel like a lot of the themes in this film are a little more on the subtle side, which I really appreciate. It's interesting because I feel like we, everyone always talks about how much like Pixar makes us cry and how they like deal with adult themes in, you know, movies, quote unquote, like aimed at children. Um, and I feel like either they've been leaning into that more or I feel like Pixar more and more recently has just been like rejecting the idea of what an animated film can be and like what like a family film can be or a kid's film and for me it like really started with Inside Out when like I had never seen a movie like an animated kids movie made by like a studio I'm sure there have been plenty of indie animated films that have touched on these ideas but like made by you know the big animation studio that is about depression and mental health and then Coco came along and also dealt with some really heavy themes and now this, and I so I, I feel like Pixar is actually like just getting more and more mature as they go on. It definitely feels like an evolution. I think so, for sure. They're um, they're not, you know, treat like talking down to their audience. I, not that they ever did, but I feel like they before would try to go for more mass appeal but here they're going get they're getting more and more specific in a way that they're like I want to tell a story that appeals to me it may appeal to other people but it's something that's really important to me and I think that that comes through so well in movies like Toy Story 4 and Inside Out in uh, Coco like you were saying yeah and I mean their next two movies alone like the next Pete Doctor one is that one about like the soul yeah which already I'm ready to cry and feel like existential crisis and stuff and then even you know the next one that we've seen the first trailer for onward it's again it's about the director's like real life father who passed away and the fact Mm -hmm. that he and his brother you know have spent a lot of their like childhood and like adulthoods like you know putting together who their dad was to them and that journey and so I'm like they're yeah they're they are growing, I feel like, as a storytelling yeah. company. I also want to say that I appreciate – the thing I appreciate about Toy Story 4 is that there is no one specific character meant to tug at our heartstrings in a way that feels a little bit manipulative. Um, one oh, thing okay. I will say about Inside Out is that I love the film, but I always felt like Bing Bong was a little bit too much of that character meant to be like, this will make you cry. And I it's dislike funny, that. I, Bing Bong, no, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with you, and that's why, like – the the scene of Inside Out that wrecks me the most is not Bing Bong. It's when Riley comes home. Me too. It's it such is, a cathartic, is, such a oh, rich that scene, is. scene. It's one and that's that like is dealing the emotionally yeah. earned. Yeah, that's the one where I cry. Moment. I don't cry when Bing Bong like I don't know disappears. I'm just like yeah, that's the one that's like I I can I see cried. the emotional wiring for that. And for Toy Story four, I didn't see any of that emotional wiring where you're like, they're like, this is the part where everyone's going to cry and that's fine. And I was like, I was, I really appreciated that because I think again, it's like it's Pixar evolving and like realizing that their audience isn't totally dumb. Um, and I, 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 I like that a lot. And Coco too, like even though we have, you know, the big betrayal and like the, the thing with Hector almost dying, like being forgotten forever, that was something that was yeah. really earned. It wasn't just a, this is the part where we're going to tug at their heartstrings and make them cry. Right, and even even when Miguel gets back and he runs to, like, Grandma Coco and stuff, mm-hmm. and, like, even that, like, you know, obviously, like, it's going to be emotional. Like, she is an old woman and she's dying and stuff. And, like, um, I'm sure they when they wrote that, they were like, oh, people are going to cry. Mm-hmm. But it also, it, didn't, it felt like it belonged and it felt, you know, we keep saying this word, but it did feel earned. Like, it yeah. felt that scene was, it's heartbreaking and I, cannot not ever cry when I watch that scene but it fits and the writers deserved to get that moment yeah 
Yeah, I agree. Yay, I'm glad. Sometimes we're not, we're not in agreement, Anya, but I'm so happy we're, like, in agreement about this. Because I feel bad sometimes I, when I'm just like, I didn't like Bing Bong. And people are like, what? <laughs> I mean, I... I like Bing Bong. I know, and, like, I, I don't... I like Bing Bong, yeah, but I'm, I don't... I'm fine with people like Bing, liking Bing Bong. I don't like... kind did a I, really good job. I like... Okay, I like Bing Bong, the character, but I don't like the purpose he serves. Yeah. I, I mean, did. Yeah. <laughs> that's fine. That's valid. I, I make a lot of enemies when I say that I don't like up. So, cause I, I mean, don't do think you up... not like it all or just the, you like the 10 minutes and then not the rest of the exactly, movie. Exactly. Because the 10 up minutes are perfect. Is the 10 minutes and nothing else. And the rest of the movie never amounts to those 10 minutes. And so, it's like... I mean, I would agree with you I on that one. You oh, thank you. Oh, <gasps> finally. <laughs> I'm glad to have someone on my side. Cause I've been saying this for ages and people are like, no, like really cute and stuff and i'm like it never lives up to it the dodo bird or whatever it is like that's fun but then like i don't know the talking dogs the evil talking dogs and then the then the the antagonist heston is the bad guy or Laurence olivier i don't remember which old man plays him but uh i didn't that was the villain is not earned because he shouldn't be a villain um yeah the villain was anyway yeah no so I, i i agree with you i i think that pixar for all they are known for making people cry I feel like there are definitely examples where they do it better than others. Yeah. So I agree with you. I agree. I cried when I saw the trailer for Cars 2 and I was like, this is a low point. <laughs> no, I'm pain. just kidding. I didn't cry. But I did say it was a low point. I've not oh. seen Cars 2, but oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. I think after Cars 2, they were like, we have to U-turn around, guys. Oh my God, Willoughby, I'm leaving this podcast. We're all quitting. This is oh, the but end. also sorry. Cars three is surprisingly sorry, good. You can't take the Bernie references and the Car two references. <laughs> I, I I can't and I refuse and I hope that Cars never again sees the light of day. That now that um, Pixar's own villain is out. True, but uh, you know Cars three was a perfect ending for the series. Well, Cars three was good. Then I can stay that way. Got that for Toy Story three, and that was also lots of hug and bear. Like, there's a lot going on. Yeah, they bring, but, like... They could bring Lightning McQueen back. I know, but, like, Cars was so much John Lasseter's, like, passion project in a way that Toy Story had so many other voices involved, whereas I feel like John Lasseter was really, like, the main captain, like, steering the ship for the Cars franchise. I didn't know that. Yeah, John Lasseter loved Cars. Hmm. Thank Ooh. God he's gone. All right. Um, do we have any note, final thoughts about Toy Story 4? It's great. It's, it's great. It's so funny. It's great, and I hope this teaches people to be a little more hopeful and optimistic and to not put something down until you've tried it. What is this judge yeah. a book by its cover <gasps> Yeah, I, I'm just, I'm never going to say no to more of what I love. And if it turns out to be bad, then I can say that it's bad after the fact. But like, more Woody? Hell yeah, I'm going to be excited about that. And then if you ruin him, then I will cut you. But they didn't. But Anya, you still have the previous movies. Yeah, no, but I would I would cut them for like this movie specifically, not for like gotcha. Gotcha. The, the, the rest. Because like, again sequel doesn't ruin the original unless you let it tweet that yeah anyway those are my final thoughts you guys go i sound like an idiot no you Um, don't i yeah i love toy story 4 it's a good movie i'm trash trash we're trash we're all trash we're all trash trash. and with that we're all trash wait we need to uh we need to give this movie a rating. We're trash, but this movie isn't, according to our ratings from the Millennial Falcon, which we will now give. I give Toy Story 4. Wait, no, wait. I'm going to go last because I have to figure out what I'm giving. Anya, what do you give Toy Story 4 out of five stars? I'm going to give it a... I will give it a 4.5 because... They didn't stick the landing with Buzz, and some of the writing moments were a little sloppier than others. So it is not a perfect film, but it is damn good. All right. Willoughby, what do you give Toy Story 4? I'm going, 
I'm going to give it a forky point five out of five for the same reason. Should I give it a four point five? I was torn between four and four point five. I was torn between that too, but then yeah. I was like, the buzz thing is so small, and I couldn't think of any other. Yeah. I See, I was I... leaning. I was going from five to four point five. I was annoyed I by the it. buzz thing for sure. And... But it felt so insignificant in the grand scheme of things that I was like, Meh. yeah. But it's also like, is it even the best? There's so many things to consider, like all the Toy Story films too. Yeah, you know what? I'm also going to give it a 4.5 out of 5. The Millennial Falcon gives Toy Story 4 a 4.5 out of 5. We're trash for Toy Story 4. We're trash. All right, and with that, let's move on to the last segment of our episode. I really, 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 really like you. But I need to tell you something. Ruby, why don't you start us off this week? What do you really like? Um, I have been really liking... So I talked about it last week. I'm going to talk about it this week because we're... that's not a rule that we could do, that we could break, because we do it all the time. Um, I finished the series of Neon Genesis Evangelion, and oh boy, does that go to some places. I have not watched End of Evangelion um and yeah yeah oh boy no it's great i love it uh there's a lot but i think ht is also your really like it's also my really like for this week um share it and talk about it yeah it's a series it's a series that i uh when i finished it and i'm still processing it because i finished it on thursday i wasn't sure whether i liked it or not but i think it's brilliant and I do now think that I like it even love it it's a series that is we were talking before about how mainstream um films from major studios have never really tackled depression or mental illness before Evangelion does that um in a time when depression wasn't a uh talk commonly talked about issue in Japan in the 90s and it does it in a way that's so bizarre and ambitious and beautiful and tragic and grotesque and it's a trip of a series that is so beautifully cinematically filmed and um gives you a protagonist that's like not at all what you would expect in a mecha anime series uh, as well as uh, supporting characters who start out as archetypes and become all so emotionally rich and sad in their own ways. This is a series about people being sad and giant robots. And it does it so well. And uh, watching it kind of felt a little invasive in ways because I felt like I was watching uh, the creator Hideki Anno's nervous breakdown in real time. But he does... That last episode, that though, last episode. the series. The last episode That's is basically is. one long therapy session for himself. And I, But I, I so appreciate him inviting us into his mind. And like, trusting. And trusting the us. The audience with yeah. that. Um, and uh, it's, uh, it's a trip, guys. I love yep. the, the deconstruction of the self. That um, pitch-perfect embodiment of... Ang- anxiety and existential malaise and uh, how beautiful this series looks so um it's a series that i'm still unpacking and processing even now uh i was not a big fan of the ending movie which uh i think was the intention because i feel like hideki anno was like was uh hearing all the backlash and all the death threats that he was receiving for the ending of the series which i thought was really bold and almost a little hopeful and then he gave them uh the most nihilistic answer that he could and pointed the camera at them. Yeah. And it's so horrible. (laughs) And I felt bad after it. (laughs) But (laughs) I don't think HT, you weren't here, but when Willoughby was, when this was his really like last week, I told him that like, I've seen the entirety of the Ava franchise once. Mm. And I am genuinely unsure if it's something that I could ever watch again. I don't think I could watch it again. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I remember after I finished, like, End of Ava, and I don't think I could ever go back to that place. Yeah. I mean, uh, Philippa oh, loves it. Brilliant. 
She keeps oh, she's oh, doing I like know. a whole rewatch and reread, and I'm like, I don't know how you can do this here. Oh, I know. She she loves it. Um, I, I know how much it means to her, and I think that's. I mean, I think it is a brilliant, bold series. Mm-hmm. I just I think that for me personally, and maybe for you as well, that it it'll be like a one time thing. Yeah. But I we can appreciate what it is. Yeah, I can appreciate what it is and say that I, I loved it. I really liked it. So, Anya. Soundtrack was a bop. Yeah, it was. That opening yeah. theme. Sorry. Even if on the Netflix oh, version, we couldn't get Fly to Me to the Moon. Amazing. All right, let me. So, my. I'm two, and I don't care what you say, HT. Because um, once you hear. Cause I, okay. Anya. It was going to be just one, but then I was like, how can I not mention the fact that I saw Carly Rae Jepsen in concert? Okay. All right. Fine. I'll allow it. So my really likes are that I saw Carly Rae Jepsen in concert, and I cut to the feeling, and it was such it was such a fun concert. It was a very small venue. Everyone knew every lyric to all the songs she sang, and so it just felt like this really communal, like positive, uplifting experience, and she is an absolute doll and a great performer. And I just wanted to say that I really like Carly Jepsen. Um, and when I when she sang I really like you, I thought of you guys and I recorded a little video and I was like, shout out to HT and Willoughby. Ah! I really like you. Um, but yeah, so seeing Carly Jepsen was fantastic. She's so fun. Um, my other really like is something that I just saw this morning. Um, and that is Ophelia, which is the new movie starring Daisy Ridley. That is basically Hamlet from Ophelia's point of view. Um, And this has probably been the movie I've been anticipating the most this year. Um, And it did not disappoint me. Um, I think it has some plot failings um, that I won't get into. So it's not like perfect, but its main story is wonderful. Um, For anyone who doesn't know, I'm a big Hamlet fan. It's one of my favorite Shakespeare plays. I think the character of Hamlet is wonderful. Anyone who says any bad word against him, again, I will fight you. Um, because Hamlet, it's just a baby dealing with depression and grief and trauma. And like he's... Shinji and Evangelion. And, and yes, Forky. And Forky. And Forky. <laughs> um, so I will not hear any Hamlet slander ever in my life. Um, and the wonderful Forky thing is about... Hamlet. Oh, no, no. Who's Claudius, <laughs> then? Uh... I don't, I don't want to. I'm not to be trash. I, I'm not getting into this. Um, Ophelia is such a beautiful movie. Um, again, so it's Hamlet from Ophelia's point of view, and it is such a beautiful movie because it treats both Hamlet and Ophelia with such empathy, and the things that they both face together and individually, and the losses they face, and the the cruelty they face from those older than them, and the idea that these two characters who find each other um, have to face such tragedy in their lives and how they both respond to it differently and the choices they make in response to the tragedy and the trauma they're put through. Um, And the movie is extremely empathetic and compassionate and beautiful. Um, And like I said, I'm a huge Hamlet fan. Uh, Horatio is my favorite character, but like, I think I like, think the Hamlet Horatio Ophelia like little OT3 if they just like hugged each other and like ran away from Denmark they could all just live happily ever after um but it's really stunning the soundtrack this is one of the best scores I've heard in a long time it is stunning um the cinematography is gorgeous you can tell this movie is written uh is directed by a woman um because especially um more of like the sensual scenes and scenes that you think there might be some sexual violence against women and it never gets to that. And it's just shot very carefully. Um, and with, like I said, an empathetic hand. Um, and Daisy Ridley is phenomenal. I would not mind to see like an awards campaign for her for this performance. She is so beautiful as Ophelia and she is all at once pain and strength and innocence and, you know, resilience, and it is just, I really love this movie. Um, And like I said, it's not perfect, but for what it was trying to do, I thought it did it really well, and it really moved me. Um, And I'm very biased, but I really do recommend seeing it, because it's stunning. And Naomi Watts and Clive Owen are also both very good. Um, And George McKay, who plays Hamlet, is one of my favorite Hamlets I've ever seen on screen. Ever. He is so good. Wow, high praise. 
Yes. I have a question. I have an answer. Do they do, do, they do Shakespeare lines? Um, so no, so it's not spoken in the iambic pentameter, and they also do not do the direct line. So like, um, the to thine own self be true is said by Polonius in the play to Laertes um, and Ophelia, and in this he says just like be true to yourself. So they okay. take like some of the lines, but like they don't do the actual Shakespearean dialogue because the whole movie's not written that way, so it would sound kind of funky. So they just kind of rewrite some of the well, lines to fit. Unless you're Tom Stoppard and you're doing Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. <laughs> okay, but that play is brilliant. It's hilarious. I right. love that play. It's so good. Also, shout out, Ophelia, the movie, is based on a novel. But there's also a feminist play called Ophelia Thinks Harder, which is also Hamlet from Ophelia's point of view, but some slight differences to this one. Um, but yeah, there are lots of Ophelia retellings out there, and they're fun to check out. So, yeah. Does it? Does it end with the Ophelia song from the Lumineers? Uh, no, but I've had that song stuck in my head for like the last two days. It does cool. look like the Ophelia painting, the famous painting by um, John Everett Millay. Yeah, and the whole movie has that like aesthetic. It's gorgeous. So, highly recommend. Yay! And that's in limited theaters now. Yes, and I think it's going wide next week. Mm. So yeah, go see it. Um, that is our episode for the week. If you guys have any thoughts on Toy Story 4 or the larger Toy Story franchise or anything you've been watching recently, like Neon Genesis Evangelion or Ophelia, or if you have seen fun artists like Carly Rae Jepsen, come chat with us about all the pop culture things you're really liking. And where can they do that, Willoughby? You can find us on Facebook if you search for us there. We're also on Twitter, at Falcon Podcast. Our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. And where can they find you guys on the internet? You can find me at htranbui on Twitter. You can find me at Ani Crittenton on Twitter. And you can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.